Kevin, they play eggs in your eyes. I'm still doing that joke. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Podquisition. I'm your host, Jim Sterling. I momentarily forgot my own name, but I don't think anyone noticed. Hello, everyone. Hello, Laura. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing this week, Jim? I'm, I'm fantastic. Jimquisition Live is finally up, so everyone can stop bloody asking me about it. Jim, Jim, Jim. When are we going to get to see Jimquisition Live? You silence your witch's tongue. Uh, hello, Gavin. Hello, how are you doing? Um, I'm, I'm alright, as, as I just told Laura. <laughs> I realise they start every episode with asking each other how we're doing and well, having to say the same answer twice. Well, well in, it, in Ireland people say that, but we don't really mean it. It's just like we, saying hi. We've still not found a good way around the whole problem where we introduce, like you introduce me and me and you have a nice conversation ignoring the fact that Gavin exists. We, mm. we do this, we're 36 episodes in, we always ignore that Gavin exists. And this, this week, week we've done it yeah, and ignored we've the done fact it twice. that we have a guest. We, we have someone else. <laughs> and we've ignored them as well. So, hello, we have a guest. Who's our guest? Who are you? You're, you're doing it to me right now. Damn it. <laughs> uh, my name is Brian Altano. I, uh, I'm calling in from San Francisco. Uh, people have been wanting me to do stuff with Jim for the longest time, and now we're finally doing it. So th this is very cool. Yes, yes. It is a pleasure to finally talk to you, actually. You know, I've been... Uh... I, I know you work with my, my old colleague and buddy Max, and uh, I love the stuff you do with the comedy button. Um, especially, I just to fanboy out a minute, I especially love the, the teen zone stuff you guys do. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun with that. We, we have had some, we did have one question that I'm just going to jump to straight off the start um, that was to do with teen zone. So Patrick Daggs wants to ask, what would happen if Officer Carvel Columbus pulled over Willem Dafoe for a speeding ticket? And I just so feel you, we have to ask this straight off the bat. So, uh, yeah, so we do this We do this character on the show called Officer Carvo Columbus, who's basically just every shitty, crooked New York City <laughs> cop. Just like all the all the cops. When I lived in New York City, just the worst. Like those just fat guys walking down the street, just like super kind of like subtly racist. Just like <laughs> – but like so fucking ignorant that they can't they're, – they're not even – they're not that they're bad people. They just don't even understand how fucking bad they are. Um so I think I think if that situation happened, uh, there would probably be a shootout. <laughs> <laughs> so you do you do a you do a Willem Dafoe character? It's it's an old uh, joke. From it's Marvel more like characters. he does Willem Dafoe in character. <laughs> it, it basically means I walk around just going bah! all the time, uh, which people like. And <laughs> and obviously Jim Quisition has a little miniature fantasy Willem Dafoe who sits on the podium. Uh, and, and that's enjoyable. And I got to take him out on a live show recently, and people asked me uh, to d d describe sex uh, fantasies with Willem Dafoe. People love fantasizing about Willem Dafoe. It's what my fan base wants. Uh, they need that. There's I mean, who, who do doesn't fantasize about Willem Dafoe? Well, I mean, I mean, who even needs to? I've seen his donger. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like it's thirty seconds into that movie, Antichrist. They're just like, we're going to go to this cabin, and they're like, boom, here's the side of my dick. Yeah, like I mean, it's, it's like it's like someone strapped an anaconda onto two basketballs. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you ever did, did you ever want to meet? Do you ever want to meet him? I'm sure your fans all the time are like, you guys need to get a picture together or something. I would like like I, I've got the concept of a movie called Cockroach Boyfriend, which <laughs> I, I've never. It's the only Willem Dafoe movie because I used to describe ideas for movies for Willem to be in. It's the only one I've never given out because I genuinely think it is going to be the greatest psychological thriller of our time. And if, <laughs> if I ever Willem Dafoe, because 
I've seen some of the films he's in. He works with Lars von Trier. That guy must be up for anything. So yeah. I, I would love to meet him and get him to be in Cockroach Boyfriend. Um, two Christmases ago, my, my wife got me uh, a framed, signed uh, portrait of the Green Goblin uh, signed by Willem Dafoe, and it's one of my most treasured possessions. Uh, so, yeah. And the funny thing is, is I'm not that massive a fan of him. Like, I like him a lot, and I find him fascinating. And he is a, a strange orc man. Um, I was going to say, you get that a lot with the internet where you, you'll make a joke or something on a show and people latch onto it and they make it, they just send like, we have this thing on the comedy button where we will talk about like raccoons or we made a joke about Guy Fieri. And anytime that guy does anything like a hundred people tweet yeah. his picture at me, it's in, like, there's raccoons all over our Facebook group and in our timeline. And it's, it's fine. <laughs> I get that people are like, it's cool <laughs> that, that you can cultivate an audience that's passionate. But on the flip side, I'm kind of like, yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, we don't like those things that much. <laughs> By the way, I'm still I'm still getting tweets from people about Ubisoft. So thanks for that. Lad. Yeah. So we we had so we had this problem where basically when we started this show, we made this running joke where Gavin hates Ubisoft because he actually kind of likes Ubisoft more than either me or Jim. So we just every time Ubisoft did anything, we were like, oh, Gavin hates Ubisoft. And this got to a point where it was such a problem. We had to say to fans, right. Don't fucking tag Ubisoft in the tweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all that, but second of all, our opinion of you is going to change to believe that you eat feces cooked Absolutely. on a plate with a knife and fork. But, but so don't do it or we're going to think less of you. The problem that they haven't mentioned is that I sometimes do work with Ubisoft. So yeah, it doesn't because, really good if kind fans of... are tweeting that I hate them and tagging them in it. Which, by the way, someone did today. And I've taken <laughs> my only response now is just not funny, full stop. <laughs> yeah, like, like don't, because Gavin's kind of a pop star, you know, he's like an actual professional musician, listeners, uh, and does actual work with companies. So tagging those companies in and telling them that he's been slagging them off when he hasn't, you know, <laughs> I have. You can tag me into any corporation. You can yeah, tell Konami I've been slagging them off. I mean, that's, yeah. that's obviously yeah, a... Yeah, that's fine. No, no one with a professional reputation would ever want to work with them again. So that's fine. <laughs> Oh, but, Jesus, but, sorry, but, it's fucking mic. Sorry, I'm using a new mic, and it's, like, more sensitive than Sonic the Hedgehog fans. Oh. So, anyway, we're a video game podcast. We kind of talk about video games sometimes. Sometimes. We should, we should do a video game talk. So, I have a thing that I want to start off with this week, because I think it's kind of amazing. Um, Square Enix announced the first Nintendo NX game this week, and then very quickly backpedaled on that, because they were like, oh, fuck, we probably shouldn't have done that. So... This was in an investor meeting for Square Enix executives, and they were like, oh, yeah, so um, Dragon Quest X, we're going to be bringing that to the PS4 as well as the Nintendo NX. And everyone loses their shit because they're like, oh, we finally have some idea of the power of the NX. And then it's like, uh, uh, no, we're just considering bringing it to that. We don't even know what the NX is. What's an NX? Fucking Yeah, hell. I was just about to ask you that. What's an NX? It's Nintendo's next console that we don't quite know oh, if wow. it's a handheld or a Jesus, console. The Wii U or didn't a... last long, did it? Yeah, it's it, the kind of all the rumors at the moment are like as soon as 2016, like by next summer, we might have Nintendo's next console. But until and, then, we've got to pretend uh, that we've never heard of it. We've got to yes. pretend we've never heard of it. It doesn't exist. Square Enix doesn't even know what a Nintendo is. They're right. totally not developing for development kits they already not. have. That's not happening. I'm just happy they ha that someone has development kits earlier than three months the system came out because that was the big that was the big fuck you to everybody with the Wii U. They were like, we want to make games for this, but you you didn't send us one, so we can't. And then they just never did. 
Yeah, because in theory, this is like, if those rumours are true that this console's coming out in, like, June of next year, so before next E3, then that means, like, hey, that's almost a year. That's, like, ten months in advance. That's decent development time for third parties. Yay! I mean... I'd be interested to know if you agree with me on this, that the Wii U, the reason it didn't do so well was because they didn't aim at what was already Nintendo's core market, which is like just mainly very casual gamers. They made the Wii 2 a little little bit too complicated for those people. Yeah, I think that's exactly... Well, it was weird because they spent uh, like five or six years with the Wii being like, everyone can come together in this family household and have a great Mm -hmm. time around the TV. And and then with with the Wii U, they were just kind of like, uh, fuck off and hide in a corner and stare at this little screen by yourself. So it really mm-hmm. defeated it defeated all the momentum they kind of had going with that whole blue ocean strategy. And, at the, and on the flip side too, you know, like Apple came in and was just like, oh, people want to play stupid little games that have no depth. Uh, we'll we'll take over from here. And they kind of grabbed that whole market. So um, yeah, I like I I like my Wii U. It's this weird thing that just kind of next to my tv that when i when i use it i have a good time with it i just don't do that very often you know yeah there's some fantastic exclusives on it the bayonetta 2 and the wind waker hd are both wonderful like yeah i i adore the wii u like it's 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 probably when 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 it comes to playing games for sheer fun like that's the system i'll plug in because there's just stuff you can just pick up and dive right into and bayonetta 2 is beautiful and and, yeah uh, all the first party stuff's really nice and mario Uh, kart of course Mario Kart, of course. Uh, Hyrule Warriors, of course, which is the greatest game that was ever developed by human hands. So yeah, Yoshi's Yoshi's Woolly World and Kirby's Made of Clay, whatever it's called. I, I've been having so much fun with my Wii U recently, and it's just one of those like because the news came out today that the Wii U has sold just over 10 million units in however many years it's been out now. It's like oh, that's not great yeah. then again the news about splatoon's been fantastic like that that's been selling really well yeah i think uh, it's which, like one in one in six owners has bought has bought splatoon which is much better than i thought that game yeah. would before i mean i was I, I was hoping it would do well i didn't i, I worried it wouldn't and but as someone who loves that game and just loves the just loves the recent in, in, increase in non-directly violent games especially one that's a shooter uh, that is not directly violent it's just it I love seeing those those games come up now, and I love that one like that has just been so so damn successful. I think Splatoon uh, really sums up Nintendo's different approach, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they can take even the most well worn, you know, fucking multiplayer shooter and turn it into something completely different and something that really it just capt. I mean, you just need to see the amount of weird art and weird videos from weird people to <laughs> see just how much it's captured people's imagination. Um, and I, I, I include myself in that as something. Yeah, I like, I like my Wii U because it feels like it's the only system I can play where uh, nobody's fucking bothering me. <laughs> like it's it's it, there's not like it's it's not like oh sign in to Skype and upload this video to YouTube and check out what you're. Friend thing, and uh, when you're done with that over here, there's a, a great deal on crackle movies. You can watch Joe Dirt too, and I'm like, fuck mm. off! Like I just want to play Mario, and no yeah. one's going to bother me. I'm not going to get any texts, or uh, I don't have to compete with my friends or anything like that. I can just kind of sit in this vacuum of silence and play a video game. Great, <laughs> you can't do that's, that. If you do anything now, that's a, that's the thing that I'm not that. enjoying seeing popping up in Steam games a lot now. Is like you'll see little things in the games comparing you to how your friends did. I, no. In single-player games, I'm like, no, fuck that. But, I mean, if you want the social aspect, there, like the Miiverse is really good as well. And it is this completely sort of sectioned-off thing that you can 
only go and, and expose yourself to if you choose to. And yeah. and I love that stuff. Like the the stuff I was drawing, like the the Squidum Defoe that I drew for uh, the Splatoon <laughs> Meverse went over very well. Um, and on all of the Mad Max stuff, the the I Kid, I Squid, I Kid again. Um, stuff that was hitting the Meverse for that was just fantastic. And but but yeah, it has that social aspect, but. It's very much an opt-in thing that you can just choose. Yep. To. Yes, you, you can just opt to be an antisocial asshole if you want to be. And who would have thought? Sometimes gamers like being a bit antisocial. Yeah. Big surprise to me. Um, so other news we got this week that wasn't a huge surprise to anyone, I don't think. Um, Tomb Raider is coming to PC and PS4, which we kind of guessed you for don't a long say. time. Um, <laughs> Oh, we know now. <laughs> um, so it's coming to PC in early 2016, like probably three or four months after release. That's about what I was expecting. It's not coming to PS4 till late 2016, probably a year after release. I think the special edition has to come with a giant life-size Yamatai middle finger statue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I mean, I, I own every console, but uh, I, I think like, Nobody, nobody wins when this shit happens. Like, mm. and this is this is for people mm. on message boards to be like, yeah, that's why Xbox One's the hottest system to own this fall. Like, they have fucking stock in the company, and it's stupid. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. This is this is a this is coming from a, a game that basically struggled to reach its development cost last time around, and this time they're like, let's put it on a system mm. that's selling worse than than the PS4. Nobody wins when this shit happens. Mm. It's, it's- it's, it's mm. very good for Microsoft because, like, this is the perfect time for Microsoft to have, like, a game that Sony don't because, like, right now the whole problem is Sony has a load of really cool stuff coming, like, a year from now, maybe 18 months. They have nothing coming out over the next six to nine months, like, in the AAA space. Mm-hmm. And this is just another nail in that coffin for Microsoft to just be like... It's good PR for the now, but at the same time, I, I don't see Rise of the Tomb Raider shifting a huge amount of consoles. I mean, as, as Brian said, it, it last time, um, it sold very, very well, but uh, as Brian said, the uh, development costs were, were barely met, and, and Square Enix, despite it selling what I thought was really fantastic numbers, Square Enix, of course, was disappointed in that, because that's how the AAA Rube Goldberg machine works these days. Um, but I just... My, my main thought about all this is, let's say it was coming to PC and PS4, both in late 2016, then this might have been a system seller. Because I know for me, I own all the consoles already, but if I didn't own an Xbox One and it was a year's wait for the next Tomb Raider, I really like Tomb Raider. In order to be up to date on that conversation, I would probably buy an Xbox One for it. I enjoyed it that much. I think this one's going to sell more than the last one. I think they're going to market it very cleverly. The sequels tend to. I mean, that's one thing they uh, companies fail to realise, is that even if your first game doesn't do very well, your second game has potential to eclipse that and even make back anything you lost off the first one. But of course, that that, that requires long-term thinking, and game publishers aren't best known for that, which is why we get so many games that come out and are deemed a failure, even if they sell a million, and, and then we never see hide nor hair of them again. Well, I'm, I'm just feeling like that three-month wait for PC, I can manage that. Like I, I would be happy to wait three months and play it on PC, if I had to wait a year to play it on something non-Xbox, then it would be a system seller, I think. But putting it on PC, I think it loses most of its... I think it's I just, because we don't we don't see this very often, this this generation anymore. It's something we were really used to last generation, like yeah. to the point where it sucked and we were just okay with it. And now it's like, 
it's sort it's sort of creeping up again, and I don't want to see it become a habit. Like it's 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 one of the few things that we got away from that that uh, I'm very happy we we stopped doing, but it still pops up here and there, and it's yeah. I think it's problematic. Didn't Lara? Didn't Lara start off? Am I imagining things? Did Lara start off as a Sony exclusive, or am yes. I imagining I think things? Yes, she was originally there? a. Play, you know, the first Tomb Raider was, was a, a PlayStation game. You know, PS. The exclusive game. thing tailed off more and more as, as the last generation went on, and people realised, hey, games are really expensive. It doesn't make much sense to cut our audience at the knees. Uh, and these days, the exclusivity will still go on, but I've noticed they changed tack to exclusive DLC. Exclusive beta access, all this this stuff that isn't the actual game, yeah. but is still you know still something that companies are paying for to try and get that make their system more attractive. Um, so it, it is still a shock when something like Rise of the Tomb Raider happens. Um, but uh, but I just I, I'm not a fan of exclusivity at all. I mean, if I had my way, fuck, I'd put Uncharted on the Xbox One and Halo on the PS4. You know, I'd, yeah. the more people you get to play great games, yeah. the better. Exactly. A great game deserves to be played by everyone, and and I find exclu- people have asked me whether I think console exclusivity is anti-consumer. Uh, I, I think it's anti-game. Like it's anti the yeah. the art that you're trying to sell, really, because mm-hmm. you're just you're just hobbling your your potential to reach people. Like it sucks but, that like only a third of the gaming uh, world got to play Bloodborne. Which yeah. is one of the best yeah. games in fucking years, do you know? Yeah, I mean, there was that petition for the PC version of that, which the the petition was written in, in an incredibly melodramatic way. Yeah, but it was the funny. the actual idea of it, like I'm all for it. Like if I I would love to have people who just have an Xbox One or people who game on PC to to play that game, like because that is still still counting my my game of the year so far, and I just I want. That in, but I'm going to stop talking about that because people are getting yeah, more and more irritated of, with the Bloodborne. So talk. sick of hearing us talk about yeah, Bloodborne. I think, I think it's like if if Microsoft had assisted in the development fees or the costs and and helping this come to life, that's sort of something I can justify a little better. Like if you look at we talked about uh, Bayonetta, right? Like Bayonetta two would not have existed if it wasn't for Nintendo stepping in. Yeah. Um, that makes things a, it's, it makes it a little easier to swallow the whole exclusivity thing. It's but if they didn't, yeah, yeah. But if they didn't, it's just a kind of a big fuck you, and you don't really see this. You don't see this shit anywhere else. Like it's not. There's no. I don't. I don't know if there's any like AAA Kindle exclusive books, right? That you can only get there. Or yeah, the closest the closest we normally get to this is around the time when they're doing a new video format. Like we had VHS Betamax, and like um, for a period you couldn't get King Kong, terrible movie, I know, but you couldn't get it on Blu-ray. You had to get it Peter on Jackson's HD DVD. King Kong? That's yeah, Peter Jackson's King Kong. You couldn't That's a get great it on, movie, Laura. <laughs> uh, you couldn't get it on Blu-ray, but you could get it on HD DVD. And you get that for like a year or two until one of them dies off entirely. I've, I'd forgotten entirely about HD DVD. Yeah. What a video, funny video, time that was. Video games is the only place where we accept this as like a generation-long yeah. thing. Like, you've never mm. accepted this in say, movies. I would say the cl- that we do have a somewhat close analogue with the... Uh, streaming tv providers right now as someone who has like netflix and amazon and hulu watching the shows jump ship exclusively constantly like all of the cartoon network stuff recently disappeared and now you can only get it on hulu which was very annoying because saturday night was uh, me and some friends had organized a drugs and regular show marathon that evening and we we had the drugs and then had to quickly um, find regular show before the buzz kicked in. So it wasn't on Netflix or Amazon Prime. We found it on Hulu and, and saved the evening, thank God. But 
that's annoying, and that's that's the only uh, analog I think we have in entertainment is is the current sort of war between Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and all that kind of stuff, and and obviously mm. HBO Go. That's a that's a great point. Uh, the the difference is the the barrier of entry on, on those platforms is what ten dollars yeah. a month. Yeah. Very low. Very low. So it's Very it's the difference between that and the three hundred dollar console is is kind of like especially when you have a three hundred dollar console sitting there already that just can't do anything for a year. Um, but yeah, that's that's absolutely a good point. I think that's just almost just as annoying when when things move from platform to platform. Like I, I actually had to sign up for Hulu for three months for, because of a couple shows, and I found that I wasn't using it for anything else, and I got rid of it. But it's. Uh, yeah, it's 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 problematic, and uh, you kind of wish everything could just be in one place. Like mm-hmm. my wife asked me once, she's like, "Why don't they make one console and put everything on it?" And I'm like, "That's cute. Like that's something a five year old would say." <laughs> but she's kind of right, you know. No, no, I wish it was the case. Well, isn't yeah. Game of Thrones the the big example of that? About how everyone's mm-hmm. everyone's pissed off that it's exclusive to whatever their shitty service the HBO thing is. Go, yeah. so it, and then they just lose loads of money from people pirating it instead it's, it just seems really stupid i i dream of a video games industry where right from the offset they took the vhs dvd player etc model where it's like right anyone can make a console that plays this format do your thing and i i've asked people about why like why they think this didn't happen and i think it is just a case of um video as a format, is not evolving nearly as quickly as um, as interactive yeah. media. And that is the problem we have, is because interactive media is evolving so quickly, you can have so many granular but interesting changes very quickly, and it justifies right. this ongoing format war it's, that really does create and it's, a problem. And it's got a whole lot of business models that other medias don't have, like microtransactions and DLCs and all that. Yeah. Well, even like even if you go back to the beginning with like your NES and your Turbo Graphics and whatever else was out then, it's like whatever you've got, there is always something different you could be doing tech-wise, a different format or a better optimization for sound or a different visual chip. Yeah. And it's just this industry moves so much faster than any other one that yeah, you know, like it, I understand how it happened, but it's not ideal. It'll keep being a thing until the arms race is no longer needed. Uh, I guess is the the situation like what we had with with video um, video playback. Um, so yeah, it sucks. It, it 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 absolutely sucks. And this whole and then, yeah, it's still it's so weird to me that in here we are in 2015 and then a, a game from Square Enix is an exclusive. But then then again, it doesn't surprise me because Square Enix strikes me as a company that. It's so old-fashioned. Of course they fucking do that. Of course they fucking would do something that's that last gen. I saw their press conference at E3. They don't give a shit about anyone. <laughs> well, they give more of a shit than the people who did the PC conference, but, you know, that's not a hard barrier well, to Well, it's just no one remembers the, whether their conference was good or not because everyone fell asleep after the first ten minutes. So other other things we have this week. Uh, does anyone have anything they particularly want to move on to next, or shall I pick a thing again? I I was going to talk about how I played Owner Chandra Z2 Chaos. I feel kind of dirty. Like I I played Owner Chandra before, never liked it. it. It really was just tits and zombies, and that was the joke. So they didn't bother making a game. But this one they bothered making a game, so I'm conflicted. Because it's a good game. As someone who likes Dynasty Warriors and all that stuff, this kind of hack and slash kind of stuff, 
um, works, and it kind of justifies the gratuity of it all, like just, just the sheer decadence of the game, because they are just anime girls uh, with massive honkers uh, wearing bikinis, slicing up zombies, um, and I feel very ashamed of myself, but it, it reminds me of something like Blood Rain or Lollipop Chainsaw, where it's like they've just leapt so far into the realm of audacity that it, it's not okay, but it's, it, it's you can live with it uh, and, and, you know, flagellate yourself afterwards. Which is like, it's, that's, kind of, that's kind of adorable, right? <laughs> like, yeah. It's kind of like, man, you guys, like you, there's this entire movement going on right now to, to make things better for everyone in video games, to, to, have, uh, to not just have these kind of brawny space marine men dude running the entire industry. And you have, you have companies in America who are trying to get it and pretending they get it and just fucking up. And then you have companies in Japan who are just like, now nah, let's just push past that and just go full stupid as far as possible. Like, let's just go, let's just go fucking sexist on the periodic table, like pure sexist, like just as disgusting as it can get. And you kind of respect that. It's, it's sort of like when there's like, you have a racist uncle who's like, so racist that he doesn't he doesn't make sense. He's like, yeah, well, uh, Mexicans can fly, and that's why we gotta shoot them. And it's like, what? <laughs> like that's so fucking stupid. But I kind of love you for saying it because you're so wrong that it's actually hilarious. And I that's think that's like what too. these guys are doing. If that that's whole situ- if that whole situation you get into where it's like extreme views, if they get extreme enough, are indistinguishable from parody. It's this whole yes. like. It's like, I, I don't think that you're intelligent enough to be doing this as parody, but if you are, good on you. Yeah, I just I just Googled this game, and there's a picture that came up of four girls with bananas in their badge. <laughs> oh, yeah, you like, need the special edition for the banana badge. They've got banana badge. It's an improvement over last year, which was one girl with four bananas in her badge. Wow. <laughs> well, wow. you know, both of those are better than last week when we had Batman with all of the batarangs up his ass. But, you know... Well, that's it, yeah. I mean, we're, we are, no matter what happens, we're worse than Onichandra. They're clearly not using these bananas for pleasure. They're almost using them to uh, replicate willies. I, I kind of respect that more than, like, Ubisoft being like, uh, drawing a girl is really hard, so we're not going to do it. Like, yeah. that's that's a fu- it's, that's yeah. inexcusable. Like, I was at Tokyo Game Show last year, and they were showing off one of these Onichandra games, and the only way to play it was to... Emerge, immerse your head into these giant fake tits, and they put the game demo well, between these giant tits. That caused a bit of a stir, a, didn't it? That's, uh, oh yeah, I and a lot of people were upset yeah. about it. And I was like, I was like, this is so stupid that I can't get angry about it. Like I'm, I'm angrier that they didn't give Laura Croft the fucking jacket in the first Tomb Raider game when she's running around in the snow for six hours. Like I'm angrier about that than I am about having to go to Japan and put my head through fake fake tits because that's that's stupid. Yeah, like those kind of stupid things exist and you just have to acknowledge that. Like this year at E3, there was one booth, I think it was Exceed's booth. It's whoever does the, um, oh, what is that particular franchise of big boobs beating stuff up games? Um, it's one of the Japanese beat stuff up big boobs it games. It might actually be Ona, Ona No, Chambara. it's it's, it's not Oni Chambara. It's, um, no, uh, it's Senran Kagura. Senran Kagura, that's the one. So they have like three different Senran Kagura games at E3, all of which were just mash the button and transform so all your clothes fly off and you can beat people up and steal their clothes and see their big boobs. Wow. And my favorite part that I just couldn't take seriously is after doing these, they insisted on handing me some figures from the game. I was like, I don't really want to take these, but fine, let's have a look. 
and they'd sculpted the underwear, including crease in the center. So you could look up their skirts and oh, see wonderful. the crease in the middle of their oh, underwear. Wonderful. And I was like, I want to get mad, but I I just find myself laughing. Yeah. I can't take this and it's, seriously. It's, it's like, have they not... Uh, have they not checked their email in the last 10 years or like seen a single article about E3 and how we've moved away from like booth babes and, and, and all, all that stuff like that. They're, they're just like, it's, it's kind of amazing that they're just like, nah, fuck it. We're going to keep it going. We're yeah. just going to keep doing this. You're going to want to ruffle their hair and just get on with it. Yes. You, well, you don't, you don't scam. like sexism. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's some anime camel toe. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I must say, E3 this year, there's only once um, one booth that I saw that had booth babes still. And you'll never guess who it was. Disney Infinity's booth. Disney Infinity had so many booth babes. Really? That, that actually surprises me. They weren't dressed up as Disney characters or anything? It wasn't like Disney princesses? No, they were wearing very, 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 very skimpy dresses and going around being like, hey, do you like my boobs? Come see Disney Infinity. And that was what they were doing. I was like, okay, whatever. You know what? I'd, I'd, I'd respect Disney Infinity as a franchise if that was its tagline. Do you like my boobs? Play Disney Infinity. A nervous-looking Batman's getting their picture taken next to them. Yeah, there was a lot of, oh, can I get a picture with with you? Um, I totally won't zoom in on your boobs. Uh. Well, yeah, I that... wonder what the impetus is for getting photographed of yourself with booth babes. Like, do, you, do you then send that to your mum and say, see, I have been near a pair of tits? You go, you go on, you go on Facebook, and you're like, "See, not every woman is completely repulsed by my presence." Like, it's, it's yeah. Some of them, some of them who are being paid will stand near me for a bit. I think even sadder than than taking pictures with booth babes is I've seen people because Nintendo does this really interesting workaround every year where they're like, "We're not going to hire booth babes, but we're going to hire." a hundred beautiful women to show off our games and they're not going to be wearing like skimpy clothing, but they're going to be wearing pretty tight clothing. And you're going to be standing there being like star Fox looks good, but so does this woman. But worse is, is taking (laughs) pictures is I've seen people at the Nintendo booth walk up and be like, Hey, do you know if, uh, if, if you have to fight Andros at the end of the fourth world and the girl's just like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I work here for three days and then I get in a car and I go to Santa Cruz and I work at Hooters the rest of the year. Like, I, I don't know. And you have these people who are just completely blinded by him. They're like, when, when is Waluigi going to get his own game? And they're like, I, why are you asking me this? I don't well, know. My favorite still is the people who then quote them for news stories. Like there are so mm. many times where it's like, oh, well, I spoke to this one girl who was really hot and was kind of stood near the video game. And she said the Nintendo NX is going to be a PS4 times six. <laughs> uh, on one, hand, on one hand you can't deny that like, a beautiful woman is definitely going to direct your gaze towards whatever they're selling but on the other hand it just seems like a point it just has nothing to do with it either it's like what's the point <laughs> all right so what, what else do we have for this week um Oh, goodness. So I'm just going to bring this up while while we're here because I'm about to have a drink. I have been directed at a new energy drink to have this week on the show because, you know, I consume disgusting, weird things. I don't like the name of this drink. I do not like the name of it. Yeah, I don't know where this name came from, but I I was directed to a can of booty sweat. Oh, my God. And I don't know if that's a reference to something I missed. Did some some rapper... Um, fun this drink it sounds really familiar probably it's yes from what i could tell i was trying to look it up and it's something like um the film tropic thunder referenced a rapper who like did like um but like some reference to booty juice and then the film referenced 
booty sweat. And then this happened, I think. Wow. So, yeah, wow. I have a can of booty sweat. I'm very curious how this is going to taste. I don't know quite what to expect other than probably salt, maybe. That's as a, exactly, as a that is exactly the, the flavour that, like, like damp. Wet salt is exactly the flavour that I get. So, like, wish me luck. Yeah, this is. I mean, booty sweat isn't the worst taste in the Ugh. world, depending on which part of the booty Ugh. it comes from. You know. Ugh, this is. <laughs> it's kind of. It's meant to be carbonated. It's kind of flat. Ugh. It's kind of sweet, but also like if you've ever had that mix of sweet and salted popcorn, where it's both of them in one. Oh, sweet and salty booty kind of, sweat. Yeah, this is kind of sweet, kind of salty, kind of flat, carbonated stuff. Nobody likes a flat booty. Oh, yeah, I've got slightly flat booty in my mouth. <laughs> so, yeah, join me next week when I'm going to be drinking pussy. So that'll be Yeah, fun. the week after yeah. will be uh, butthole water. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And oh, nipple goodness. lint. <laughs> I, I would consume something. If someone posted me something called nipple lint, I would eat it. <laughs> Live um, with a totally tropical taste. <laughs> they still do those adverts in Britain. No, they 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 got really po faced about adverts in Britain. Now our adverts are all really boring and like everything's got to be really serious. We can't have like the silly, I don't know, lilt or Rita Ora. I think those lilt ads might be considered racist nowadays. A little bit. Um, so would the umbongo uh, the umbongo ads, if you remember those. Oh, I think they and the Kiora ones. Oh dear. Oh, the yeah. Kiora one was an amazing example of yeah. Yeah, lots of racially charged drinks. Um, last thing that's probably newsworthy this week: Steam accounts were hilariously easy to hack for a while. Did any of you hear anything about this news? No. I vaguely heard something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. If you signed up for two-step authentication on your Steam account, that actually made it far, far, far less secure. Because when you go to log in and it's like, oh, put in your two-step authentication code that we've sent to your phone. If you just clicked next without typing anything in, it would just let you past. Brilliant. We, we, mm. live, we live in a, like, a comically <laughs> bad dystopia. Yeah, it's just hilarious. Like, how did they code that where they didn't think like, okay, we'll check if your password is wrong. But if you don't put a password in, then it's not technically the wrong password. So welcome <laughs> in. It's like you can't come in if your key is the wrong key. But if you have no keys, then you're probably all right. I think that's yeah, the worst. Why, why would you turn up to a door with no? It must be your door. Let them in. <laughs> the worst. The worst part about growing up is realizing that adults like you have to save the world. And, and make shit like this like when you're a kid and, you, and you're dumb and you're innocent you're like oh man the adults are geniuses and then you become an adult and you're like everyone's a fucking idiot and so am i yeah and, you, you it's that moment where you realize like i don't have a clue what the fuck i'm doing yeah. maybe when i'm like another 10 years old i'll understand <laughs> oh wait fuck no the people still the people that i think are, are like have got their shit together no they're just as fucking clueless as me they're just getting better it's, at pretending they know what they're it's doing it's that moment that that scene that you were scared of, but wrote off as something that could never happen in Terminator 2. Yeah. When the dream sequence with the nuke and the fire and the thanks and the skeleton um, happened. And as a kid, you're like, well, that's terrifying. That will give me nightmares, but that would never happen. And then you reach, it's when you finally realize you're an adult and you look at that scene and think, no, that's definitely going to happen because that's exactly the kind of thing we do because we're all wankers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's like, um, this is a story I heard a little while back. Apparently, at one point, the nuclear launch code to, like, authorize a nuclear strike from America 
was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> and that was the fucking nuclear launch And it used to be two-step authentication. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Just, it's terrifying realising that adults have no fucking clue what they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's now a good point for us to move on to questions for a bit. Do some Do some questions. Yeah, why not? Or why talk not? about what we were playing this week because I. Oh, you, uh, oh, you, you want to get was, out your, your journey, don't you? Yeah, I was replaying Journey on the PS4, and it's still an absolutely is, magical experience. Is it still experience. the greatest video game you've ever played? <clears throat> well, as favorites go, no, that will be always Fallout. But like, as a, as regards to still one of my two perfect games, yeah, I think it, it's absolutely beautiful uh, and perfect. Yeah, I, I replayed it as well. It was it was still as. Was just delightful as it was yeah. when I played it. Originally. It is a beautiful game that is still goddamn beautiful. So and good on them for making it cross by as well. Yeah, it yeah. was nice to have that just pop up for free on my PS4. But, but let me tell you about my bad luck with Journey. Right, right. first time I played it, I remember. I think I said this on the podcast before. I lost my buddy right at the end, and without spoilers, at the moment of emotional catharsis in the game, I lost my mm. buddy. Buddy. Right, who had been with me for the whole game, so it was very bittersweet. And at this this time, I got right to the very, very last scene with my buddy, and the fucking game crashed. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Cursed. That sucks. I actually had to um, pre-order that statue that came out. I, nice, I may have done the same. Yeah, the, the it's really like I can't, I can't afford that statue, but I kind of have to have it in my life. Yeah, I've been, it's been a bad week for me for that stuff. Like, I'm I'm terribly... I mean, is anyone who's ever seen the, the footage that I shoot from different camera angle in my office that shows my table and shelving unit? Like, I have a terrible weakness for shit and tat. I mean, I'm looking at a statue... Um, well, a life-size replica of Blade from Puppet Master that I saw in a shop two weeks ago and just said, yeah, I'll have that. Um really against my, my best interests. Um, but yeah, so I've got a terrible weakness for that, and it's just been a bad week for me because the journey thing came out, and I'm like, right, pre-order that, right, good. Then someone, some fucker, uh, linked to me on, on the gymquisition.com, linked me in the comments to a, a fucking Mysterio statue of, of zombie Mysterio with with the, the helmet all cracked and the brain in it, like from the comic, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, pre-order that, brilliant. <laughs> and then fucking... What's it? J- July thirtieth. Um, Shideshow collectibles have a fucking one of those super cool action, like really expensive action figure uh, things they do. The replicas of Jason Voorhees. So I'm like, well, shit, I pre-order that. So, yep. so please, what I'm saying is, is please um, spare any money you please can for my Patreon, Patreon to keep the <laughs> yeah, Inquisition exactly. going because I'm spending all my money on tap, <laughs> and I will be bankrupt in a month. See, I have a. I have a I have a pretty big desk at IGN that is just covered in toys. Like it looks like it, it it's 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 weird because it's like I don't do this in any other part of my life where I'm like I'm going to pretend I'm 5 years old forever, but I at my desk at IGN 100%. And it's kind of at capacity, so things have sort of been making their way home a little more and just kind of yeah. sneaking their way into my apartment. Like a couple weeks ago I looked up and I'm like, "Oh shit, I have a Star Wars corner in my living room." Like that's weird. How did that happen? And my wife's like She's okay with it, but she's also kind of just like, I saw what you did. Like, I'm not, I know that you, I know you snuck, you, you put seven amiibos uh, underneath the TV. What are you doing? Like, why is there, why is there a wooden gorilla statue over there? Like, wh- why is, why is there an ad ad in the corner? Like, this shit is popping up. It's like slowly closing in. 
I have broken into this problem myself because I've got my work desk in one corner of the room and it's like, okay, everything stays there. And then I knew that I had a problem when I took a ro- the top row of books off of our bookshelf and was like, those can go in a cupboard. No one's reading <laughs> these books at the moment. This can be a continued Amiibo shelf. I was like, oh no, yeah, it's happening. I've got because because everything stays in the office. That's what um, my other half likes. The, 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 the shit goes in the office where it belongs. Um, currently, there's a giant framed Bloodborne poster in the front room, which was not intended for that, but I wasn't hanging it up in here, so it had to go somewhere. Um, every now and then I'll sneak a Mysterio or something out on, onto the mantelpiece. Uh, something tells me that journey one's going to end up there, because I'm, I'm really out, out of space. Like, I've got right now just... Do you guys not find it really hard to work in a very cluttered environment like that? Oh, no, I love terrible. it. <laughs> it I mean, I, I, ca- I have to have my desk stop. completely spotless of anything, things I absolutely need for work, or it just drives me crazy. I have set amounts of space that I need for work, and then anything around that I like to be cluttered, because it's like, here's all the clutter, here's all the clutter, and then here's my little nook of calm in the middle. <laughs> and it helps me to focus on my like work area in the middle, because it's like, there's not work. There's not work. This here, this is work. This is what we're doing here. I've got a. Yeah. I, I bought myself a big, like one of those L-shaped desks, just to have an entire side of desk. Like I used the short <laughs> side for the for the work, and the other side just has you know the blade puppet master jacket from Hollow Miami, that kickstarter figure, uh, that um, figure of Zant from Twilight Princess, the big Jew. Uh, Isaac from Dead Space, loads of alien shit, obviously. A big Mysterio, like it's, it's bad, and I'm really at max capacity. And they keep bringing out statues of zombie Mysterios and Journey figures and Jason Boys. What can I do? Yep. Complete, complete side note. I've just been followed on Twitter by the voice of Siri on the iPhone. What? And I, yeah, and I want to ask her questions now. She's verified. It's like most of you know me as the voice of Siri. I, I got excited like, there. I thought you were going to say the voice of Siri from The Witcher. No, the voice of the iPhone answer your questions, lady. Why the fuck are you paying attention to me talking about butts and shit? So I just want to contact her now and be like, can, can you just answer questions for me? Can I ask you questions and you'll find answers? So... Yeah, from there we should probably move on to questions. Yeah. Woo, question time. Um... So I'm going to start with some of the fun, silly, nice icebreakery questions. Um, whoa, where's the question list? So first up, um, give me one second, I'll edit around this. First up, we have from a, a question from James on Twitter. What's your favourite curse word? Well, I'm Irish, so we have lots. Gobshite is pretty much the king of the fuckles. Fuckle is the Irish for word, by the way. But yeah, gobshite is our, our greatest word. The, the only one that comes to mind for me, and this is one that just, whenever I'm asked this, all that comes into my head is cunt nugget. <laughs> and I don't know why I find that so so amusing to say. Pun, it's just something wonderful about it. Well. What about you, Brian? What's your favorite curse word? I mean, I, like, I, I live in New York, so obviously it's fuck. That's the most versatile. I, like, it's weird. The yeah. older I get, I find myself retiring words, which really fucking sucks. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, like, I stopped saying retard two years ago, which, like, I feel good about. But like now I'm trying That's, to retire. You word. can kind of understand why people retire yeah. that word, though. I mean, yeah, I, I used yes, to use but... it flagrantly and I used to get angry at the, oh, that word means something else now. You can't say this. Rah, rah, rah. Like, there's evidence of me yelling about my right to use that word on the Internet. And then, yeah, 
sort of in the years, I just kind of like, well, you know what? It, it doesn't. And I, I think about this about a lot of words. Like, it doesn't hurt me to not use it. And it might exercise my brain a bit more to come up with better words when I want to denigrate something, when I want unless, to, you know, unless. unique words. Nah, Jim, I'm, I'm kind of with you in that, like, you, when you feel like something's a crutch, when it, when it becomes, like, your easiest go-to word, it's probably not something you should be using all the time. Like, it, yeah. it means that you're just, you're kind of on autopilot, and you're not really thinking or exercising your yeah. brain at all. And I, I used to say, oh, that's retarded, or he's retarded, or she's retarded, or this is retarded. And after a while, I'm like, I'm just calling everything that. And that's not, like... Calling everything that is pretty retarded, if you think about it. Well, that's that's why I kind of moved away from fuck being my favorite swear word, because you're right, it is the most versatile by far, but it was just my go-to, and it was too easy of an answer, so I was like, right, okay, what's the most creative, like, brain, come up with some words that sound kind of silly and rude together, and I just cunt nugget was all that came to mind. See, I've, so, I've doubled, I've doubled down on the word fuck because there's this big movement happening. I don't know if, if you guys see it where you are, but here in San Francisco, people use the word super for everything. They're just like, oh, this that coffee is super good. Oh, it's 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 a uh, they're having a super awesome sale on the, the thing. This 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 shirt is like super slim on me, and I'm like, I fucking hate it. It's, 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 it's another one of those, like, people are just saying it because it's like, it's that sort of like, everything is amazing sort of mentality. And I yeah. can say fuck because I can be like this, like, she's fucking beautiful. This is fucking delicious. I, I fucking love this movie. Like, I don't think fuck always has a negative connotations. So I think yeah. you throw it in there when you're excited or passionate about something. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. It, it can be a positive exclamation as well as like an angry exaltation. Yeah. And that it's kind of beautifully. Well, we don't have like that, that where I I'm coming in Mississippi, the, the super thing. Um, yeah. It's it's bellowing unintelligibly with gunshots. That's the thing everyone's <laughs> doing out here. Like it's it's getting to be a really annoying craze. Uh, you know, it makes it makes visiting the local Cracker Barrel just a nightmare. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting to me to watch sort of language evolve and devolve, uh, especially because I think that people like when the when the iPhone introduced that thing where it basically writes sentences for you. Like I got, I got scared, you know, like I, I, my, 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 my father's a writer. I grew up writing. Like I, I, I'm afraid that we're just going to start just communicating with grunts and emojis and you can just swipe your thumb across the screen and it'll be like, Oh, I'll be home soon, honey, or whatever the fuck. Or you can even just like, I have, I have a brother who's eight years younger than me and he'll text me shit that I do not even understand. It's just like five letters in a row. And I'm like, what is that? Someone used, someone used the phrase on fleek to me recently. I have no idea what on, on fleek, fleek means. I think it means that something's cool. Is that on maybe fleek. something to do with flicker or? No, I don't know because like <laughs> someone used this phrase to me and then I started noticing that it's fucking everywhere. Like I was watching a kind of funny video this week and one of the kind of funny boys said on fleek and I was like, what's on fleek? What is this? I don't understand language. It just, it, it just means on point. Like, you know, like, oh, my, my, my dress my my shirt is on point you know like it's it's weird to me i i get less mad about words that get made up as time goes on because we used to do that shit too like mm. i mean i grew up saying everything was dope you know how fucking dumb that yeah. sounds yeah. wow what a dope song that is like i use it all the time and it, i still say it and people look at me like i'm crazy because you know it's not 1987 at a run dmc concert anymore and know, you know us, us 90 kids had bodacious and excellent yeah, like, think about all the shit that Ninja Turtles said. I've spent the last few years of my career convincing the world that chungus is a real word, so... I'm I love that word. 
my my favorite response to all of this when like you have those moments of like oh god um what is happening to language someone pointed this out to me like months ago and i really like this as an idea when you have that feeling is right make up a sentence that no one has ever used before and that is like how you reclaim like yeah language can still do things uh so you could be like I currently have more dildos up my ass than Batman. At times, Batman has arrested the Joker and he's escaped. <laughs> so there you go. That's a sentence I don't think anyone's ever said before. I don't know. That's a new piece of language that has been created. So, you, you know, know language fair, can though, still do things. That is the title of my upcoming autobiography. So. Oh, God damn it. Oh, it's already been used. Like, I, I mean, every, every, on... every title of every episode of this podcast is something that no one has ever said in the English language. So. I kind of uh, challenged uh, myself to do that on my youtube channel because i start every video with some creative weird um insult that, that i've just pulled out of my ass a few seconds before i record because um, you know you get people like like angry joe has his he refers to his fan base as his angry army and obviously pewdiepie uh, calls all of his fans bros and I, I kind of riff on that by assigning a different name to the fan base every time like the today it was uh, shrieking wag fists uh, everyone has um the other one was uh, something like disgusting thrills of the crab-like queen. Just various uh, weird insults that, that seem to have gone over really well. And, and, and I like that because it is, it is better than just, you know, calling everyone, um, you know, just, just fuckhead or whatever. I was trying to, uh, trying to explain this podcast to a friend this week, and I was like, just the titles saying off. I was like, there was one a couple of weeks ago, Dank Comsock, and then last week was Donald <laughs> Trump's SpongeBob sex problem. So... <laughs> You can get a pretty good idea of what kind of a podcast it is from the titles. I think on, on that topic, we do have a question which might well spark that kind of conversation. So uh, conversations for friends here. Emmanuel Day wants to ask, what's the strangest place you've ever defecated? Man. Should, should I start hmm. us off with a nice icebreaker here and tell a story yeah. to 35,000 people that I probably shouldn't do and I'm going to regret when I'm editing this, but fuck it, let's do the story. So oh, I think I've heard you this probably one, I think you heard this one on the uh, whatever the fucking show is called that some of the Jimquisition Facebook group people do. You've heard this one, I think. Yeah. So yeah. long story short, um, I started doing this whole full time writer thing back in October last year. And about two weeks before that, I was still working my day job and I shat myself walking home. So uh, the story, the story, <laughs> just like that, <laughs> just like that. So the story is basically like I was working at an 11 hour shift and this was noon till 11 p.m. And I was not allowed to break that day. So I was like, right, what do I have with me? Big old bag of cashew nuts. I ate an entire industrial sized bag of cashew nuts while sat on the till because I was just like, yeah, this is fine. I had no idea that cashew nuts were a fucking problem for intestines. They are like, they are just so much fat that they cause problems. So, you know, I finish work after an 11 hour shift and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I get halfway home and I'm like, fuck, those cashew nuts were a problem. I've got an hour long walk home from work and it's 11 o'clock at night. Everywhere's shut. And I'm just like, yeah, I can get home. I can get home. No, didn't. Just shat myself on the way home. <laughs> so there you go. That's the weirdest place I've ever shat myself. Three quarters of the way home from work <laughs> just before I started doing the Patreon thing. <laughs> so I, there you I, go. There's your icebreaker. Wow. The, the, man, that, the, that cashew nut is such a fun fact thing. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, for three days, my, uh, my shit was just like full of 
orange oil. <laughs> so, you know, that's a fucking story. Um, don't eat an industrial sized bag of cashew and nuts. That was, you, will get, you will get three days of just like oil. And that shit. resulting product was then canned <laughs> and referred to as booty sweat and has gone on to become a very but popular product. <laughs> so there you go. Now you, now you three don't have any excuses not to tell places you've shown. Uh, I was. I was, uh, was home for Christmas on the East Coast. My family lives in New Jersey, and I flew to Newark Airport, and my brother picked me up. And he's like, it's so good to see you home. How you how you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm doing good. This is like three years ago. I'm like, I'm saving for an engagement ring or whatever the fuck. And we're just having this really good conversation about my career and his career and life and stuff like that. And he's like, hey, man, let's go to the liquor store and get some booze, and we can uh, we can like get drunk and hang out tonight with the whole family. It would be really fun. We're walking into the liquor store and I'm telling him about how much I love this girl that I'm dating that I was that I've married and out of fucking nowhere. Like this is not even like I was I was waiting for this or I had weird food all day. It was just like, oh shit, I have to fart. Oh shit, I just shit my pants. Like it was there was half a second of like, I kinda have to fart. And then it was like, nope, that's I straight up shit my pants in a liquor store in New Jersey. And he was just kinda like so what do you want to drink tonight? They have these beers. I was just like, we're drinking this. And I grabbed the first bottle I saw, ran to the counter, and then ran out to the car. What's going on? I'm like, I shit wow. my pants. Liquor store shart. There's our, there's our title for this week. Like, if I'd stopped to think about it, I should have just been like, you know, let's just, you know, go find – because there was no bushes. I was on the longest single road with no bushes. And I didn't feel like knocking on someone's door at 11 o'clock at night to be like, I need to shit in your house. And yeah, I then I just had to wander through the uh, through the pub. And because I live above a pub, I had to walk through the pub. Clearly, everyone knew I'd shat myself. Um, walk upstairs and just, it was not a fun time. Jim and Gavin, do you have shitting I'm very stories? lucky. I've never shat myself as an adult. But when I was a not kid, yet. we, uh, yeah, not yet. It's so. it's. Green adult when, life is just a countdown to the moment. It's just a countdown to shit in your pants. No, when I was a kid, we um when we would go to stay with my mom, she was a vegan, and um we we would go to these beautiful places down in County Kerry. There's this one particular place called the Gap of Dunlow, which is like if you can picture Skyrim crossed with Middle Earth, it's just like absolutely gorgeous. And we're here admiring these uh trying to admire these beautiful views, but I'm just shitting vegan food all over myself. So that was not pleasant. That's the last time I can remember. I, I honestly, I don't have a partic- any particular any story I can think of. Like the, the only time I ever remember doing a, any, any shit that could be classified as weird was when I was like five years old mm. and me and a friend decided that we were going to be homeless. And we, I don't know why at five years old, we decided that was the career move for us, but we, I guess in our mind we had fanciful ideas of being like, you know, comics, comic book style, whimsical tramps with bindles and, and hats with a flap at the top. And so I just decided, well, right, I'm going to shit in this alleyway. <laughs> and, and, and I did to, to prove my, I guess, my commitment to my new lifestyle choice. And, and that was there for a while. Um, we, we, we had one friend who used to like stick his finger up his butt and go around telling people to smell his finger. Oh, good. Good. Good for him. Um, I used to live in a place that's called, it, it's just called The Flat. And people who have been a long time listener of my work will, will know that I've, to, I've told stories of The Flat before. This is the place where there, there were stains on the wall. And it was either going to be one of three substances, marmite, blood or shit. And it had a reasonable chance of being any one of those three things. A, a or two or more. Chance. Yeah, I mean, it, 
an amalgamation of all three was not out of the question. Um, but the flat was well, incredible. No, you know, this is Laura has you know, yet to play her top trump in this discussion because Brian, um, she has promised that when we meet, she's going to take a dump in my beer. So it's oh, yeah, a, it's a pity this question didn't get asked after yeah, this it, event. It's, it's Gavin's <laughs> fault because I keep consuming terrible, disgusting things on this show. And he was, uh, Gavin was boasting about the fact he was drinking beautiful rosés. So my threat was just fine. Next time I see you, I'm going to shit in your pint. And that's, you know, one of these days I will be able to come back and tell the story of the time that I shit in Gavin's pint. Let me finish the flat story first. Scott, I've got to tell people about the flat because this was a, a magical place. This is the magical place where I'd come home from work and find everyone in the main room coming down off ecstasy and watching Mad Max. And it was the most depressing time I've ever watched Mad Max. Um, I've had to stop, while living there, I had to stop an assault with a metal pipe. I had to stop an attempted um, drug-induced instance of someone deciding they were going to jump out the flat window for no reason. Um, This was the flat in which the phrase, Louis, you were right about cocaine is horrible, was uttered. Um, Someone did a shit in a shoe. And the the most magical moment, uh, of of my time at the flat was this fella called Whiffin, uh, who was also called Sausage. I don't know how he earned any of those names, uh, but he was called Whiffin. He was off his dits most of the time, um, and he once decided it would be a good idea to strip naked in the flat. Uh, fortunately, I wasn't there for this. I only saw the photos after, but he decided that he would start drinking his own piss out of a glass and drawing on his naked chest was sick of his own shit. Uh, and and he did that, and I saw the drawings of him looking very serious and stern, with just just smears and runes just just etched into his chest of his own fecal matter. Uh, and I had to live there for a year, and it was the it was the most nightmarish, but also the most memorable and wonderful year of my life. <laughs> it's yes, it's it's it's, it's really interesting because I I remember like in. In, in, when you're growing up, you make friends because somebody says something where you're like, oh, he's really cool. I want to be friends with him. And Jim just said, someone did a shit in a show. And I was like, I want to, I want to work with this guy more. <laughs> I like, I, you, you have to come on the comedy button and tell stories like that. Cause that is, they would fucking love oh, you. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I mean, anytime I'll come on, I'll tell you about the, I'll tell you about the, the guy who we ended up calling the Admiral, who was my landlord for a while. Like, I've got amazing stories about him, the cat food eating, um, guard hissing, uh, <laughs> toothbrush abusing man who, who really was quite wonderful. But, but anyway, um, the, I'll have more England stories in the future because I've got some incredible ones. <laughs> oh, goodness. All I have is just terrible retail stories. I have one terrible retail story to do with shit, and that was the time that someone took their kid. Like, we had staff bathrooms, not like public ones, just staff ones. And some parent comes up with their kid being like, my kid needs to take a shit, like, right now, can you let him in? We're like, okay, that's fine. And about half an hour later, they still hadn't returned. And eventually, like, the mum's waiting outside for the dad and the kid. And the kid and dad come out, and the kid's not got any trousers on. And the mum's like, what's what's happened? And the kid just says, we had to wash my jeans down the toilet. So we're like, oh, Oh, fuck, what the fuck has happened here? So we go and walk in, and you can smell the shit as soon as you open, like, the door to the staff area. We're like, oh, fuck. So we're getting closer, and there's, like, brown water coming out from under the toilet door. We're like, fuck, what's happened? So this kid clearly had not made it to the bathroom. Um, he had shat himself, and, like, it, 
his parent, his dad had decided, okay, let's get those jeans off and presumably decided let's swing the jeans around my head because there's shit on the walls. And then the parent decided, well, we've got these shit covered jeans. What do we do with them? I know. Stick them in the toilet. Try and flush them. Oh, genius. <laughs> so there was shit on the walls, shit in the jeans, overflowing toilet. It was not like fast. Of NASA. <laughs> I, uh, Retail is great. We caught someone having a wank before, and uh, I worked in a God. music and DVD store. And uh, it was just down in the, the naughty video section, just having a little wank, rustling tracksuit. Um, one of the girls went down, came up and went, you're dealing with this. <laughs> I think if you jerk off in a video store, you legally have to wear a tracksuit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've got a very particular rustling sound that is, uh, it gives it gives the game away very quickly. I was never caught wanking in my office in where I used to work in telesales. <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't. I did a lot. Um, <laughs> and they knew I did. But they could never catch me to the point <laughs> where, and I, I'm fairly certain it was because of me, because I, 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 I was trying to get myself fired from that job anyway, because like I worked out it was it was I'd make more money on fucking benefits than working for those assholes because they pay minimum wage. They were terrible. Um, so anyway, Plus they tried could, to accuse you know, me of bank all you want on benefits. Yeah, um, they tried to accuse me of. of looking up porn on the computers and all this stuff. Now, I never looked at hardcore porn on their computers, okay? Um, but they tried to spin it like it was worse than it was, but they could never prove anything. There was never any proof. Uh, to the point where they got some blue tack like mounting putty, um, put it up in the corner of the in the corner of the office and put like a small black rubber tube and stuck it there in the corner. As if that would convince any of us in the office that that was a security camera. <laughs> and they put a sign up that said, warning, that there's a security camera here, right? And, you know, it, it might, I don't think it was all because of me, but I think I might have had something to do with it. I think, I think they were trying to catch me wanking. And they never did. That's like when that that's like when they put those plastic owls on on a roof so birds don't. That's it. They were they were trying to scarecrow me away from wanking. There has never been a wankrow that has stopped me yet. Well, I think I think where's the weirdest place you've had a wank is definitely a conversation we need to do on one episode. <laughs> do we want to answer that now? <laughs> do we have answers for this other than Jim's telly sales? I'll have well, to think about that one. Well, I had one in a Burger King toilet when I was about 15. <laughs> Wait a minute, that is you know, a... When you're, fi- when you're 15, your hormones are like fucking crazy. Oh, yeah, you'll do you're, just, you're walking down the street and you see a pair of tits and you're like, yeah, no, I need a wank straight away. So just Burger King was the closest thing. That's an actual rap lyric. That's uh, from the Humpty Dance. I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. <laughs> no way. Really? I don't think it was about masturbating, though. It was about fucking somebody. I once I've fucked people in some um, pretty unsavory toilets. Toilets as well, actually. That would have been a that would have been a way sadder rap song if in the middle of it he's just like, mm-hmm. and one time I jerked off in a Burger King bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I may have masturbated on a long haul flight. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's Good impressive. Job. Oh, I'm telling you, to get away with that. Now, 
What is, is that like? That's like the half a mile high club, I guess. Like, what is that? I don't even know. But here's the problem. To this day, my mother still has not discovered the existence of this podcast. You now know this is the episode she's going to fucking listen to. Oh yeah, of course. No, it's like it's like when you're a kid and you're watching a movie that has a, a, one boob in it for half a second. Your mom knows to walk in right there. They just have radar for that shit. Yeah. Oh dear. I once tried to have a wank. I once tried to have a wank in a caretaker's office in a um in a parking lot, in a parking garage, in a shopping center. I was a teenager and I had just successfully scored some pornography using the the old confidence slip it into a copy of NME uh, technique. Um and I just I needed somewhere to go and I was I can't even remember why I was in this car park. Uh, it, it was in Bexley Heath, if anyone wants to go and memorialise the area. Uh, but there was some bloke in there. I think he was a caretaker. Um, and he wondered why I was there. I mean, obviously, I didn't tell him I was in here for a wank. I didn't expect you to be in there. Uh, don't worry, I won't get on your overalls. Uh, but I, 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 I found somewhere else. So this this story's not about me, but I had a friend um, when I was going to college who masturbated in the trunk of a car while there were a load of us in the car. So the story to this was that um, we, we were trying to get like seven people home in a car with five seats. So we wedged like six people in the car and one person in the boot. And he just decided it would be a fun challenge to see wow. before we finished the <laughs> me car. And my friends, he could jerk off. Me and my friends challenge each other to this. Not, not if he could places, jerk off but in the <laughs> Like, like uh, one running bet was, can you masturbate over Hulk Hogan? Like, can you? <laughs> um, obviously I wouldn't do that. That would be very disappointing. But... <laughs> Yeah, back back then, you know, it was more than acceptable for anyone to have a cheeky targo for uh, the whole playing it. Um, but well, we eventually just cheated because we were like, well, if we just get it, if we just get it halfway there and then just pull on it for a bit, we can claim excitedly to each other that we just masturbated over whatever professional wrestler we decided to do that week. Um, so that's that's something we did once. Um, once, I think, while we were both watching a wrestling pay-per-view, sat next to each other with other people asleep in the room, we were just like, hands down our pants, right, we're technically wanking over Kane now. That's, that's <laughs> technically over The Undertaker. We're brilliant. Well, I can't say I've ever <laughs> masturbated with a friend. I have fucked someone in front of a friend, but never <laughs> masturbated. <laughs> I mean, technically, to be fair, I, we didn't either. We were we were cheating. It's, like, it's not really masturbating with a friend unless there's issues. I was but... going to try and like point us towards like sensible questions, but at this point, I think we've devolved <laughs> off of that point, so let's just stick with this. Brian, where have you masturbated? Uh, I'm, I'm never too creative when I masturbate. Well, I mean, like... He's <laughs> masturbating right now. Yeah, I'm actually master- I've been masturbating just very slowly and, and generously throughout this entire episode. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty straightforward person when it comes to jerking off, <laughs> which is a weird, a weird sentence. Uh, I think I've, 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 I've had sex in weird places. Like I've, I've had sex on a trampoline. I had sex on a tree stump once in a forest. <laughs> like I've, I fucked in, in other people's pools. One. Yeah, that's a tramp. A trampoline is the worst place to have sex. You know, it's totally overrated. It's fucking beach sex. Oh you do yeah, not it's the want person. sand going into it is, it is not good. It's though. awful. So have we got time for a sensible question or two? I mean, we've just discussed wank crows and sex on tree stumps. <laughs> I had like fifteen sent questions, and we got onto like shit, and it's just like no, fuck it, podcasts yeah, over. By it. the way, I'm, um, I'm nominating <laughs> wank crows and sex on tree stumps as the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I'm going to go through and edit this and just like, as I'm going, I'm just going to send Jim every phrase that could be a podcast title. I'm sure there are some shit. Yeah, we're kind ones. of spoiled for choice this uh, week, to be honest. <laughs> it was me. Before we did questions, I thought we were going to be in trouble, but no, we delivered. Um, so sensible questions. Um, Steve on Twitter wants to ask, who is the most interesting personality that you'd like to see go independent and become funded on Patreon? Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he kind of has to now, doesn't he? He'd find he'd find a fucking audience to do it though. Oh yeah, like, of he course. would. He'd just oh, have he to totally do an, like a yeah. documentary called the McMahon Effect or something. He'd make yeah, a he fucking. Could, he fortune. could start a new um, a new wrestling foundation for all disgraced wrestlers. Yeah, just just him <laughs> and the Ultimate Warrior every fucking week. Is I, Ultimate I, Warrior disgraced now as well? Oh, dude, the man's a rampant homophobe. Oh yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. Especially considering you would think the absolute opposite considering the clothes he used to wear. I know. Yeah. I, I know. mean, like pretty if, much if a walking see, fucking rainbow, like. You see a guy with makeup, uh, long curly hair, uh, he's got ropes tied all over him and he's in underwear and his entire job is to roll around with other men. That is literally the gayest thing you can do besides and, and actually having gay sex. With streamers coming off him that were colors yeah. that like are legally hazards in some countries. Yep. Yeah, no, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan's a great suggestion, but he would be, he would be terrible because he, he doesn't know how to use his phone. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that thing the other day. It was, it was really funny. He actually tweeted a picture of a screen cap of his phone <laughs> that had a YouTube link of his daughter doing a poem about him being racist. Oh God, that poem is the best fucking thing. It's basically, if you've not seen the poem, go look it up. It's her being like, we're all a little bit racist, but it's okay because we all are. I love you, dad, the poem. (sighs) I think we should kickstart David Hasselhoff to make an entire movie out of that music video he did. Oh god, mm. the one he did for that film about Kung Fu. What was it? Kung Fu Kung Fury, the Nazi Kung yeah. Fu film. I think we should we, we, we should kickstart David Hasselhoff to start in the biography, the filmic mm. biography of Hulk Hogan. Mm. Or they should remake Baywatch but with all the same actors and actresses in the same <laughs> costumes. Now. I think we should launch a Patreon for Michelle Ansel that he has to use to make Beyond Good and Evil 2, because where the fuck is Beyond Good and Evil 2? Oh, don't say because Ubisoft will do it. Ubisoft will actually set up a Kickstarter for Beyond Good and Evil 2 at this point, I'm convinced. That would be more than I've got right now. I still think we're <laughs> going to see it at E3 next year. I really I hope so, do. and I'm just going to say it on every podcast I do for an entire year, because then when it happens, no one's taking more credit than me. I will personally <laughs> take credit for that game's existence. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So, other things we have. Um, I quite like this as a question. Um, William Wales wants to ask, who are our favourite comedians? And, like, which comedians have most influenced our personal tastes in comedy and humour? And I have an answer for this, and it's a stupidly, like, not podcast-worthy answer, because it's my dad, of all people. Um, My dad is my favourite comedian, or at least the one who's had the most impact on my sense of humour. Um... In, I'll have to explain the concept for Americans because like this doesn't really translate out of England so well, but there is a thing in England called pantomimes, 
which are basically stage shows that are done with the worst, most cringeworthy humor and terrible low budgets. And everyone goes to them knowing they're kind of terrible, but it's that sort of like uh, kind of joke that everyone goes to them for. And my dad for like the entire time I've been alive has written pantomimes and his terrible groany sense of humor has completely influenced my taste in comedy. Um, Great example, there was a sketch he wrote in which Postman Pat was trying to, was a bird watcher, uh, while, because, you know, he cycles around doing his, his, um, delivering his mail, and it makes sense for him to have a hobby while he's doing it, so he tries to hunt birds. And he's trying to see the lesser spotted Branston Pickletit. And as such, whenever this bird flies onto the screen, it uh, flies onto the stage, in order to get Postman Pat's attention, all of the kids in the audience have to shout, Pat the tit! <laughs> and that, like, that man has shaped my terrible taste in comedy. <laughs> what about you lot? Comedians, who, who do you like comedy um, from? I guess one of my biggest influences would be Chris Morris, who did The Day to Day and Brass Eye. Um, basically predicted the current day Fox News in the 90s before the Fox News of today was the Fox News of today. Um, just this amazing, amazing satirical mind, uh, Chris Morris. Just just dead face, deadpan um, presentation of the most sensationalist um, made-up news stories. Uh, and he's, he's fantastic. I highly recommend people um, track down Brass Eye if they can. Um, in that same vein, Stuart Lee is a, a beautiful stand-up comedian. He's, he's, I was re-watching some of his stuff last night, like him talking about how um, American reactions to Osama bin Laden's death, and he was reading off these comments about people saying uh, they should have dragged him back to the United States and... and Taught, hung him from a, from the lamppost and then roasted him alive like a chicken so he can see what that feels like. And his reaction to it was just gold. Just, how is he going to see what that feels like? He can feel what that feels like. And wh- what lamppost is this? Uh, the lamppost. But he, he's fantastic. Um, and Dylan Moran as well is, is uh, an Irish comedian who is just... Stand-up is just incredible. Just... He lives the personality of the cigarette-smoking, wine-drinking misanthrope, and he just he does it so well. Um, I think those those are possibly my top three. And, and Ray Peacock, of course. Uh, Ray Peacock and Ed Gamble, um, who I fell in love with after listening to the Ray Peacock podcast and then the Peacock and Gamble podcast. Um, I think anyone who's ever listened to... The, there is crossover between the fan bases, because we used to interact, and anyone who's listened to Ray Peacock's podcast work... Uh, will easily see the influences that bled over into my style of, of podcast delivery and, and everything like that. I'm done. So mine, mine are definitely, uh, definitely George Carlin was was the big one for me because I mm-hmm. grew up. I grew up in the '80s and my dad had all of his records on vinyl, and it was one of those like you're not supposed to listen to stuff like that when you're a kid, but when your dad has it and he's listening to it and you overhear it and you start laughing and he's just kind of like. Yeah, this is crass and and kind of crude, but it's also really smart and really funny. Uh, and it was he true. Kind of, like kind of that's let the it best go. thing about Stalin. Like yeah. just everything he said was just true as fuck. You know yeah. what sucks though is that you're not allowed to like him anymore now on the internet because some atheists use his quotes to be dickheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everyone ruins everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so him, he's he's definitely the big one, but also uh, David Cross, 
who is just an incredible stand-up comedian. He also co-created the show. Uh, it was called Mr. Show, and it was on HBO. It was a sketch comedy show, but what was so smart about it, he, d- he actually did it with Bob Odenkirk, who's on Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, because Bob used to be a stand-up comic, um, and they're both comedy writers, and they used to, they made this show called Mr. Show with Bob and David. And the smart thing about it was it was a sketch comedy show where every sketch led into the next sketch. So they, a sketch would end and it would zoom in on a TV and then it would zoom out on that same TV in a different apartment somewhere and the next sketch would begin. So it was basically they wrote themselves into a corner having to do it because it was so much more work than it needed to be. But the end result was just uh, really smart, really creative. And Netflix actually – bought the rights and they're making a new season, which I hear uh, from people working on is really funny, but also a total nightmare to make because Netflix is making sure everyone shoots everything in 4k and they're doing a sketch comedy show in front of a live audience in 4k. And it's just a a mess. Um, So those two, those two are big ones. What's up? I am. I'm I'm looking forward to that show because Mr. Show, as far as I know, never made it to the UK. So growing up, I, I never saw it. Um, but only a few weeks ago, I actually watched through it all because uh, Robert Florence, who I should point out is another comedian that I adore the work of and his work on Berniston. Um, but he linked to the, the story of Everest sketch that yeah. they uh, they did. And he, he pointed out that he think he thought that was the best sketch that's ever been written before. And I watched it. It, it was genius. It's really uh, good. Showed it to my other half. And then we went through the entire just a few weeks ago, went through the entire Mr. Show. Um, stuff and I was a fan of Odenkirk's work on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul anyway. Um, but after that, like I just I was enraptured. You know, I'd, I'd heard of David Cross. I'd seen him do some things like stuff on Tim and Eric and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, fell in love with the show. Like that, Mr. <coughs> show really is absolute genius. And I went straight ahead and got. Um, I'm currently reading his book, A Load of Hooey. Uh, oh yeah, Bob Odenkirk's book, and and that also is just brilliant as well. So yeah, yeah I'm really have- looking forward to that Netflix show. I have this great sketch that I evoke all the time. It's called uh, Worthington's Law. And I don't know if you remember it, but it was about it's this it's this kind of like asshole infomercial guy. And he's talking about how uh, Einstein was a fucking idiot because he didn't make as much money as a professional Mm. football player makes now. (laughs) And I hear it. I hear it all the time. I evoke it all the time because people are always just like. Yeah, well, that game sold better than that game. And I'm like, well, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't make it a better game. That just means that more stupid people bought it. Like, that's so it's saying that, like, basically, Donald Trump is the most, is the greatest person in the universe because he's a millionaire, but a scientist is a fucking idiot because he doesn't have any money compared to Donald Trump. Like, uh, people do it with musicians all the time because going by Worthington's law, you know, Britney Spears is one of the most important musical acts in the history of the world but really she's just a shitty singer so uh i yeah i use that all the time yeah well they forget that you know some of the best i I don't think those two things are are mutually exclusive though because important doesn't necessarily mean having a good influence right right totally i completely agree with that i mean i can't believe no one mentioned bill hicks by the way oh yeah he's great Uh, and david well you haven't had a go yet gavin Oh yeah, okay. So Bill Hicks, David Mitchell. <laughs> but uh, I think everyone in Ireland has a soft spot for like Dermot Morgan as well. The whole Father Ted thing. Oh God, yeah. Um, Father Ted. I mean, it's it's people don't realize how accurate that show portrays Ireland in the nineties. Because the <laughs> reason we laugh at it is, is because we recognize all of that stuff, and that's really actually pretty much how we were as a nation in the nineties. 
I was actually going to name check Father Ted uh, when we were talking about favorite curse words because that actually is home to one of my favorite curse words, um, which is the use of the word bollocks as a singular term for an individual. Um, when Bishop Len Brennan refers Don't to... Don't you talk to, to me like that, you little bollocks. That, yeah, you, <laughs> you little bollocks. Like, I still, every now and then, like I, I sometimes call the dog a little bollocks because it's mm-hmm. just... <laughs> it's, it's such a beautiful term. I, I've got one sort of more modern recommendation that I think is a spectacular stand-up show from a comedian who, pr- before this one show, I hadn't really thought much of them. And it's Bo Burnham. And it's his show, What?, um, which he put out entirely for free on YouTube and Netflix and stuff. And he's a comedian that does like um, musical song-based comedy, but his What stage show is an hour and a half of really fantastic comedy that is really intelligently done with a really deft hand. Um, he does a really good job of doing comedy that is about subjects that people usually get in trouble for making comedy about, but because he makes the subject of the comedy not laughing at those groups, but using them as a jumping off point to make comedy around surrounding topics. He is able to really tastefully, without offending anyone, do really good comedy on topics like, um, like there are, he makes jokes at the expense of like LGBT issues and um, race and um, religion, but he always does it with the, the particular group that would usually be the butt of the joke as the jumping off point for surrounding humour. And I think that that particular stage show is fantastic. Um, particularly the final track in it is one of the kind of darkest, but also most uplifting like comedy songs I have ever heard about like the alienating aspects of fame. And it's just it is a really beautifully put together like comedy the comedy set. It is fantastic. So go look that one up as well. Sounds yeah, awesome. So hooray! Have we got anything else, or is this probably a good time to wrap up? this week. I think we're good. Yeah. People have got their goddamn money's worth. I'm going to have a fun time editing this one, I think. Okay, well, thank you for being with us today, Brian. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. I I would love to come back. I definitely want to work with you guys again. This was awesome. Yeah, consider it done any time. In the meantime, I mean, feel free to let people know where else they can see you. Uh, so uh, I, I I do I host videos and produce videos for IGN, which is a, a, f- a fledgling indie game site. Now uh, they're there's they're a huge site that reach a ton of people. Uh, so go check me out over there. On the side, I, I co-host a show with uh, Max Scoville, who is uh, Jim's Jim's old buddy, uh, called the Comedy Button. It's up every Friday, and we're also on Patreon where we do extra episodes there. So if you like this like sort of gross, crass <laughs> shit that comes halfway through this episode. Uh, we do whole hours of that over there, so it's fun. You Come do, check us you out. You do music as well, don't you? I, I, I had do, to yeah. To, uh, I had to listen to your album last night. It's really good. I like this. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, I have, a, yeah. I have an album that's it's free to download. It's called Misanthrope. Uh, Laura actually interviewed me about it, what was it, two years ago, yeah, last year? A couple, couple of years ago. I, I think it was about two years ago yeah. I did it. It was in a magazine. There was a I'm physical a- magazine that had your words in it. That's Am right. I right in thinking you enjoy um, like trip-hop music and Nine Inch Nails a little bit? Uh, I guess a little bit. It's I for me it was oh, it's, it was more always the sort of like uh, the kind of eighties and nineties New York City hip hop kind of mixed with uh, weird sort of sounds and industrial stuff. But yeah, it's I, it's it's hard to put a, a name on. It. I just make what I think sounds dope <laughs> to use that yeah. word again. 
you. Uh, so yeah, go point. check that out. It's, I got you. It's, yeah, it's at uh, album.com and it's totally free. So uh, it's very download cool. that. I'm, I'm working on the new one. So yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. And Laura, people might want to know what else you do. So you, this is the bit of that show. This where is you the tell- bit of the show where I tell people where to find me and stuff. So you can find me at Laura K Buzz on pretty much everything. So Laura K Buzz on Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Patreon, what have you. Other than that, you can find me on Destructoid Monday to Friday as UK editor doing UK newsy type things. You can find me doing reviews on Polygon as a freelancer, and you can find me doing interviews on The Guardian whenever they let me do that. Wonderful. And Gavin, Ireland's best musician. Where can you we can, find uh, out more about you? You can find me on Twitter at Miracle of Sound, all one word. And you can also pop over to my YouTube channel and see all of my lovely songs. The Siri one for Witcher 3, which is just um, just under half a million views now in three weeks, which is awesome. Wow. Mm. Fantastic. Well, it's a fucking and great well song. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the Mad Max one is doing really well as well. Oh, the Mad Max one I fucking adore. I'm going to steal it. Um, (laughs) As for me, um, you all know the drill by now. Just Google Jim. Just Jim, J-I-M. I'm the third result now. Uh, Just do that. Uh, I'm not showing off or anything. It's just a literal fact that you can do that. Um, Keep an eye out for news soon on the the Jimquisition merchandise that's coming to Shark Robot. I'm basically... I'm just one more design, and then I'm ready to give all of that to Shark Robot. Um, Jim Sterling's licensed game experience, of course, is still on track for a, a release. Jimquisition Live is up on the Jim Sterling YouTube channel. And I think that's everything. Yes, 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 it is. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, you aren't kidding. You, you are the third result for Jim. You're also the <laughs> fifth result for Jim. <laughs> so there's Jim the Wikipedia which is just about the the name Jim and then there's Jim Halpert who's a fake character from the office and then there's you and then there's Jim Chapman on YouTube and then there's you again and like off to the side actually and then under that is Jim Sterling on Twitter and then at somewhere way down there is Jim Carrey wow damn there we are nice work yeah you're ahead of Jim, you're ahead now. of Jim Carr Jim now you're in the big leagues yeah, I, I literally don't know why or how that happened, but wow. there you go. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>